Hi, this is Robert Gephardt, and today I wanted to talk about some books that have to do with translation and linguistics. This is for people who, like me, share a passion for translation and or linguistics, and who want to read more about the subject and what it has to offer. I should specify that I'm not an expert in linguistics, so these readings aren't overly complicated and don't go too much into depth. I should also mention that my background is as an Italian translator, but I'm very interested in other languages depending on the time period and the situation. As in, for a few months I might be enthralled with, uh, I don't know, with Korean writing, but then I'll hear a podcast about the history of the English language, which sets me off in a whole new direction. I'll provide links to these books and podcasts in the description below. Um, if you're listening to the podcast uh, on iTunes or somewhere else, you can find these links on the Akahi YouTube channel, but I believe you can also find them just by searching for them on Google. Anyway, the first book I want to mention is Translating Style by Tim Parks. If you're serious about translation, this is a very important book. If you translate between Italian and English, then I would say this is mandatory reading. Tim Parks is a well-known Italian-English translator, uh, probably just behind William Weaver in fame, and now possibly also Anne Goldstein. But this, book's, this book goes into detail about some of the changes and nuances in translation by taking several classics from literature and analyzing their translations. It also has quite a few interesting tidbits, such as, and I quote here, it's worth remembering that as recently as the 1860s, a man was condemned to death in Rome for reading the Bible in Italian rather than Latin, end quote. This is part of his discussion on how biblical terms are more common in English literature than in Italian literature because the Bible was widespread in English long before it was in Italian, where the Latin one was still in use. The second book that I'd like to mention is called... Well, it's called La Ricerca della Lingua Perfetta by Umberto Eco. I apologize, but I read it in Italian. I think the English name would be The Search for the Perfect Language. I'll link to the Italian and the English one, uh, just so you have links to both in the description. Regardless, this is a book about the history of the search for the perfect language. It is Eurocentric and even more than that, Bible-centric. But then again, the search for the perfect language was a huge part of Christendom ever since the story of the Tower of Babel. And it's interesting to see how many different people thought that their language was the perfect one. And, and also how um, so many people tried inventing different forms of languages, including Esperanto, which Umberto Eco seems to favor. Um, also, not to mention that throughout the Middle Ages, people seem to think that if a baby were not taught any language, it would speak Hebrew, since this was God's language and therefore the only quote-unquote natural one. Um, I have to say that uh, the part in the middle kind of lost me since he went into more detail than I could follow, and I also thought way more than was needed, but it's still an excellent book. The next book that I'd like to mention is called The Korean Language We... Uh, sorry, The Korean Language Reform of 1446. This is by Gary Keith Ledyard. I think is how you pronounce his name, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D. Um, in fact, this was his thesis, but as far as I know, no serious, have revi no serious revisions have been made. Um, I know there were newer editions that were printed, but as far as I know, they were printed as is. Here again, I should specify, though, that I do not speak Korean. Uh, I did live there for a while, and I can read the Korean alphabet, and I know 
simple Korean, let's say. Um, however, I don't think it's necessarily needed to enjoy the book. You just need to understand that Korean used Chinese characters until more or less the 1440s, when a very renowned king called King Sejong, who is probably the most famous king in Korean history, uh, developed an entirely new system of writing from scratch, which is still being used today, uh, more or less exactly as it was invented. Um, this book might be a bit harder to find. I didn't see it on Amazon when I did a quick search for it, but if you're interested at all in, uh, in Hangul, in the Korean alphabet, and its history, then it is worth searching for. Um, of course, knowing how to read Korean and Chinese characters will certainly help. Knowing more about linguistics and phonology will probably have helped me as well, since there were quite a few times when I felt lost, especially in some of the middle chapters when it goes into a lot of detail. Anyway, next, for those of you who might be more interested in Chinese characters, I recommend History of Chinese Characters. This was also called Character Types by Wang Nai. That's W-A-N-G space N-A-A. N-A-I, sorry. W-A-N-G space N-A-I. Actually, I'm sure that a better book exists on the subject, but it'll depend on how much detail you want to go into and how much of a primer you want you know, in, in terms of generalizations. Uh, this is a short read, and as basically as a primer, I thought it was great. I read this after starting Chinese class, so I knew some of the points mentioned, but I still learned a great deal. And then lastly, I wanted to mention a book called The Adventure of English by Melvin Bragg. Now, if you're at all interested in the history of the English language, then this is a must-read. It follows the English language from way from the Frisian dialect spoke by the Angles, Saxons, and Jutes, to their mixture with the local Gallic when they came to England, to the influence of the Church Latin, to the Vikings, to the Norman French, and throughout the British Empire, as well as current American English, and how the language is still evolving. In fact, it shows how it's this pliability that has allowed it to thrive and to go from a small northern German dialect to the most spoken language in the world. It's also full of interesting facts like, you know, for example, like why we say we raise cows and pigs and lambs, which are all Anglo-Saxon words, but we eat beef, pork, and mutton, which are all derived from French. Along those lines also, as, as a bonus, let's say, I want to mention a podcast that I just started recently called The History of English Podcast. It seems to follow along the same lines as this, as the book I just mentioned, but it looks like it will go into a lot more depth. Um, it already starts further back in history, since English is an Indo-European language, and it still retains many expressions that it shared with uh, Sanskrit. So anyway, I'm looking forward to the rest of this podcast, and um, I'll already put a link to it here below because I can tell it will be pretty interesting. Anyway, that was it. If you have... If, if you know of any other books or podcasts to recommend, please do let me know as I'm, I'm always interested and I love reading about these topics. And I'll be back next week with more tips and tricks for translators out there. So don't forget to subscribe. Thanks.